This is Road to Retirement with Chris Anselmo from Brookside Tax and Financial Group. When a part of your financial strategy is out of tune, your long-term goals, your retirement savings, and your legacy can all suffer. With many years of experience in the financial industry, Chris provides his clients and prospects with the information they need regarding Social Security, retirement income planning, wealth management, and much more. Listen in as we address your financial concerns and provide helpful solutions to put you on the path to achieving your retirement goals. And now, here is Road to Retirement with Chris Anselmo from Brookside Tax and Financial Group. Hey, welcome back to Road to Retirement. My name's Chris Anselmo. I'm here with Matt, our elder law attorney. And uh, Matt, I thought maybe we'd talk about uh, differences between typical living trust that people use. It's a common estate planning and more of a Medicaid protection trust when we use it for uh, nursing home planning. Yeah, that's a great idea. I think that a big misconception that people have is a lot of them have existing living trusts and they think, well, I'm set for the rest of my life. Right, right. So, you know, the typical living trust that we've done thousands of uh, is basically a substitute for a will. And it's designed really for a few things. One, to avoid probate. Two, to maybe save some taxes. Three, to distribute the the assets to the heirs or to hold on to them and trust for them. But it's primarily a, a, a distribution vehicle where, you know, is a substitute for the will instead of having to um, have all the time-consuming expense of going through probate. So right. a lot plus, of people have used those over the years. Plus it's private, so right. they don't have right. to go through the whole public that everybody knows their stuff. Yeah. And, and in the long run, it saves money because sure. probate, look, to be honest with you, it gets expensive. And and to be honest with the listeners, the expense is the attorney fees. Right. So, so you know, the living trust is a better way overall, but it doesn't provide any creditor protection for the current generation, for the next generation it does, but now for the current generation. Can you delve into that a bit? Yeah, the the regular living trust that, that people have as a revocable trust, it's an extension of you. It's it's like it's sitting in the room next to you, but it also runs under your social security number. So anything that comes back on that trust always filters back to you. So when you open up an account, it's run under the, the tax ID number of the trust, which is typically your social security number. Unfortunately, when people wind up with some type of health crisis down the road, they come to find that, oh, this revocable living trust, it actually doesn't protect assets from long-term care costs. Or from, from any other, I mean, or from from, any, yeah. Right. I mean, if you could just, look, if you could just put money today into a trust and protect it from all the creditors you could ever have, I think half the lawyers in the country would not want that, right? <laughs> so, so, so that's not viable. So, but when we do the Medicaid protection trust, it's different because you're not retaining all the rights you normally have. And where, like in a revocable trust, you could just take the money in and out whenever you want. Right. Right. So from a creditor standpoint, they're like, well, then just take the money out and pay the creditor. So um, that's not so in a, in the Medicaid protection trust. Right. So so normally with a, a, a Medicaid protection trust, there are certain things that 
you have to give up that you don't have complete control over a trust like this. Um, they're, they're irrevocable in nature. And I think that that term irrevocable scares people, it scares people because they think, well, then I can't, you can't do anything. It's, it's like you locked the, the door and threw away the key. And that's really not the case. Irrevocable legally. It means you can't revoke the trust and just take the assets out. So like you just said, where with your, everyday living trust you could put money in take it out whenever you want you don't have that same immediate access with a a medicaid protection trust so i think the client's fear is i'm going to lose complete control over these assets but we can give them certain rights right so when we set these up a lot of times we have a a mechanism in there so that if we need assets back out of the trust, we can distribute them out and make sure that they come back to the ones that set it up. So generally, so there's going to be, let's go to the parties. There's going to be the, the, the settler or the grantor, or trustor, or whatever you want to call it, the person who starts the trust. Right. Let's call it mom or dad. Mom and right? dad, yeah. There's going to be the trustee, which is going to be the person who's going to manage all those assets, which is not going to be mom or dad. It could be their children. It could be a friend. It could be anyone who they trust to do that. Yeah. Anyone, not them. Anyone, not them. Right. And then there's beneficiaries of the trust mm-hmm. and those beneficiaries cannot be them either. Right. So let's say typically mom and dad, son or daughter is going to be trustee, son and daughter, the siblings are going to be that their children are going to be the beneficiaries. So uh, money can flow out of the trust to those beneficiaries and what those beneficiaries do with it is up to them. Right. And the, and the big piece to that kind of the the thing that everything hinges on is if we do need to distribute assets out to kids and if kids don't give it back to mom and dad, mom and dad, as the, the settlers, grantors of the trust, they still have the power to change beneficiaries at any time. Correct. They can change the trustee at any time. So if, if, son who is acting for them isn't following their instructions then they can replace him with somebody else who will do the job that mom and dad want them to do so typically we'd put a house in because there is a concern that um for our listeners that medicaid has uh, rights to put a lien on a house to reimburse itself for the monies it spent on behalf of one of the the mom or dad correct so if we can get that house out of their name and the period is what mm-hmm. so it's a five-year look back okay so you, we want to do you can't do this a day before you go in right so so we want to do this pre-plan and get the house at least the house look if you could save the house most people's houses around here are 150 to five hundred thousand dollars, right so if we can save that from being spent on a nursing home like why would you not do it it's often the biggest asset that people have. Well, in our listener, we didn't say, but um, it's hard to believe this number. It Statistically, we've seen studies that say that 70% of people over the age of 70, at least two-thirds of people over the age of 70, will be in a nursing home at some point in their life. Right. Might be short-term, might be long-term, but long-term's expensive. I mean, what's it running right now? Yeah, our it, area? I mean, in this area, you're in the probably eight to $10,000 a month range. If not more, there's some places I know of that are around 12,000. So, and if you figure the average stay is 
about three years, that's three hundred. That's the house. It's, it's three hundred thousand dollars that you can lose. So, um, you know, just kind of makes sense to do it. So, tell me what what can we allow the mom and dad to do? So, as far as with the rules of the trust, mom and dad, they're allowed to put assets into it at any point. I already mentioned they're allowed to change beneficiaries at any time. They're allowed to change who's the trustee. We didn't get really get into it yet. There's another party called the trust protector who's normally a third party. They have the rights to change that third party at any right. point too. And that trust protector is really designed to officiate and make sure that everything happens the way it's supposed so generally to. It's either going to be probably a CPA or an attorney. Right. Okay. So, um, so the ability to change, given the ability to change trustees and beneficiary gives them some control because if, you know, there's the argument at the Thanksgiving dinner and Johnny's not behaving right, we, mom and dad could take Johnny out. Right. So, you know, the, the concern always, if you give up control, what, what if they kick me out of the house? Do they get to stay in the house? Yep. So we normally do some type of occupancy agreement that, that lays out the the way things are going to run from now on. It's going to say mom and dad continue to live in the home. They will pay property taxes. They'll pay all utilities. Um, so really nothing's so, really changed. So nothing that. really changes. The only, the biggest difference, and I think one of the biggest questions, and you might've been leading to this before, you can still sell a home that's in a trust like this. Correct. And the, the one difference to that is, it's going to be the trustee that signs the deed over to the new buyer. So if you think of this trust as like a treasure chest, so the house is in this treasure chest. If they want to replace the house, then the trustee sells the house and the buyer sends money into the trust. Yep. And then that trust will then have money. And if it wants to buy another house, you can buy another house. If not, it could invest the money, do whatever. So the money never goes back to mom and dad. Right. And that's by design because as long as that money has stayed in the trust vehicle, then those that asset is never re-exposed to that five-year window. So, so if we started today or just say this is October of 2020, October 2025, uh, it, we should be good to go. Correct. So if you then a year after that, sometime in 2026, wanted to sell your home and downsize, you could sell that home out of the trust, receive funds in the trust, buy a new smaller home in 2026, and that house is already protected. It doesn't get... It just stays in the trust. Exactly. So it never really goes back to you. Right. So... For our listeners, I mean, most people we see that go to nursing home are late 70s, 80s or older. Mm -hmm. So if you're in your early 70s or in your 80s, this might be the time to do it because you can't wait to. Look, it happened to my mom and dad. Um, we did this Medicaid Protection Trust. And um, the reason it, it didn't work for them is because it was like the fourth year when my dad needed to go in a nursing home and, and it, it's odd because when I give these seminars, people are like, well, how does how could it happen to you, Chris? Because you like, you know what you're doing, right? I said, because my da mom and dad procrastinated. They wouldn't sign the documents. It's, you know, my dad, the little Italian, look, you're a smart guy. You take care of it. Just take care of your mom. Right. And 
I'm never putting mom in a nursing home and this and that. So dad, I can't just sign it up. Look, I'm not charging you to, to do that. I just signed documents. <laughs> so eventually they signed the documents, but it was, you know, just one year too late. So uh, we spent 90 grand in that, that one year in seven months. Yeah. So, which is pretty crazy because like my, my dad worked at the West side market. He didn't make, it probably took him three years, four years to make 90 grand, you know? So, um, it's just, it's just sad that it, something needs to be done at the national level. You know, we're not going to solve that today, but it's ridiculous that retirees are going broke for nursing homes when they've been paying into Medicare forever for 60 years and it doesn't cover long-term care costs. Yeah. It's, it's almost like what's the incentive to save? Because if you don't have anything, you'll, you'll be able to receive, you know, government assistance, Medicaid when you, if you need nursing home care, which is, which is great, but it's just for the, for the middle class, the, the people who did, you know, save their money and and they worked hard for all those years and they were fortunate enough to be able to have a a nest egg. It really is the middle class. Look, if you have several million dollars, you're like, how will I just pay it? Right. Right. But if, if, you're completely broke. The government's going to pay. It's it's always the middle class that's that's getting stuck, and um, you know the distribution provisions could be the same. We're both gone. It's going to go to the kids, and so we can have all the same distribution provisions we'd have in there uh, before. But um, the living trust is just not going to do this. The typical living trust, right? While it's it's great for those things you mentioned earlier, privacy, avoiding probate, controlling distributions, it will not protect assets from long-term care costs. But we could put all those same distribution provisions in the Medicaid Protection Trust. Right. right? So, you know, and for most of the clients we do this for, I I normally put their house in and I put all their non-retirement accounts in and let them live off their retirement accounts until time comes where we have to do something else. Um, And, you know, the issue with the living, I mean, one reason they did a living trust is to make it easy to pass on their wealth to their family. But if you don't take care of this potential time bomb for the nursing homes, there may be nothing for your living trust to do. Yeah. Right. I mean, you could spend it all during your lifetime and then you die. There's nothing that your living trust is going to do. Right. When you think about your, your, if you set up a living trust to avoid probate and maybe for some tax benefits, well, if you spent three years in a nursing home before you get to that point where the trust is kicking in for death, it's like, well, it doesn't even matter what that trust did because you spent it already. Well, and you know, we're just saying the average is three years, but I've seen, I've seen clients that have been in a nursing home for ten years, right? I mean, the average is because like my was dad like, was only in for seven. You know, that that takes the average down. But if right, you have Alzheimer's, I don't say my dad was. I don't say fortunate, but I mean, he had Lewy body disease, so it's kind of Alzheimer's and Parkinson's together. So it was, he deteriorated faster. You know, if you just have mild onset dementia, you could be in there for a long time. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. We, I mean, I've seen, I've met with clients who came in for, to try and do this proactive planning that we're talking about today. And the reason they came in was because, well, someone was diagnosed with early onset dementia and we get back together six, eight, nine months later, and that person's 
capacity has completely deteriorated yeah, to the tell. point that you're like, we're never going to make it five years. We we need to start figuring out a, an alternative yeah, now. And that's another another podcast, but there's crisis planning too. But right. just And for the women listening out there, look, this is more important probably for you than anyone. I mean, you've been in nursing homes, right? I mean, nursing homes is probably nine women to one guy. So I'm not, I'm not sure it's nine to one, but it's it's pretty close. It's probably six or seven to one. So, um, and it's probably because the women tend to live longer and they took care of they their spouse of, right. at home. And then he passed away and now they're alone and they're alone. Right. And, so, and, right. And they need, and now they need the help yeah. and there's nobody there. And if kids don't live close by or kids don't have the time to. And, and even if the kids live close by, and like once my dad went to the nursing home, I actually felt he did better. He had like more activities, more people around. Um, it was less stressful on my mom. You know, they gave him better care than like, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Other than, you know, clean them up and shave them once in a while. But you know, he literally got better care. Right. He gets into a regiment. He, there's a point where there's a, a now a daily routine. I think what you said too about your mom's health is something that we see a lot because now that caregiver doesn't have all of that added stress and they can go back to being just the spouse and visiting right, with, right. and they don't have to take on all those other burdens that, you know, that, that our caregivers are, are spend their careers doing. Yeah. Because it got to the point where, you know, she, she probably couldn't really leave them alone. Um, you know, look, he could just wander out of the house. He, you know, he was pretty good at home. I was at home, but the last few months when he was a nursing home, you know, it got progressively worse. So if you were at home, that'd be, that would be tough because you, you would need like respite care. You couldn't stay there 24 seven, seven days a week to watch him. Somebody would have to come in. Um, and that could be expensive too. Right. So, so, um, so for our listeners, if you want to get this done, um, and you or at least talk about getting it done, see if it makes sense for you, you know, call our office, uh, 216-485-1040, either talk to Matt or myself, or you can check out our website at anselmolaw.com. And uh, I think we probably even have a book or two that we can send them or call in to get, to, you know, call in and talk to Regine. I think we have one. Uh, our state planning book would definitely have um, a chapter on this and, is that new book come out yet? That were not the, the orange or pink one, whatever. No, we don't. <laughs> no, we, we haven't got them in yet. So, uh, but stay tuned. But you know, this is like two. Uh, let me say it again: two out of three people over seventy end up in a nursing home. And it's like, if I told you two out of three of your houses were going to burn down, would you do something to protect your house? And and that's statistically what it is because it's the cost of a house. Um, to go into a nursing home. So, again, give us a call, 216-485-1040. Uh, either uh, ask Regina to talk to Matt or myself, and uh, we'll take care of you. But uh, a good show, Matt. Um, we'll probably do more of these as the time comes on. Just keep this uh, topic going because it's a really important topic. Anything else you want to say before we go? I think just going back really quick to kind of the timing of when to do this, yesterday it, right it's always <laughs> hard because we just don't we can't forecast when that time no, is going right, to come right. you know there are some 80 year olds who are in better shape than i am well there's I'm no not, there's no risk of doing it too early right right so there's people that are in their early 60s that say 
I've seen what happened to my parents. I don't want to put my family in this position. So I'd rather start it now and get that five-year clock ticking. And and I think it's important to get the five-year clock ticked because they could change it. I mean, it originally was 24 months and it went to 30 months and it went to 36 months. Now it's 60 months. You know, if the government's going to find a way to change it, they're going right. to change they could, it. Yeah, I think every year they talk a little bit about making, making it, it seven years. And so who knows what will happen. But things don't, that clock doesn't start until you actually transfer Assets the asset the into the trust. So, so just even, setting up the trust yeah, doesn't. Right. So if you sign the trust today, it doesn't mean that's the day. It's the day when we actually get the deed recorded. Right. Right. So. Okay, good show. Um, we'll uh, we'll be on next week. Uh, again, our office number is 216-485-1040, or you can check out our website at www.anselmolaw.com. Thanks, Matt. All right, thanks. Thank you for listening to Road to Retirement. Don't pay too much for taxes or retire without a sound retirement plan. For more information, please contact Chris Anselmo from Brookside Tax and Financial Group. Call 440 886 3550 or visit them online at brooksidetax.com. All matters discussed during the show are for informational purposes only. Each individual situation may vary and the opinions expressed here may not apply to everyone. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified representatives prior to implementation. Advisory services are offered by Brookside Financial Advisors LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of Ohio. Insurance products and services are offered through Brookside Tax and Financial Group LLC, an affiliated company. Chris Anselmo and Brookside Tax Financial Group are not affiliated with or endorsed by the Social Security Administration or any other government agency.